Hey everyone, it's Lauren De Silva, um, and welcome to the Art of Flourishing podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, today is a big day. This is our first ever episode, and um, I thought we could kick this party off with just, I guess, a little bit of a background story as to who I am. I properly introduce myself to you guys and share a little bit with you about who I am and where I come from and why a podcast and why a podcast called The Art of Flourishing. And so I think what you need to know about me up front is that I am a 34-year-old South African living in Waco, Texas, USA. Um, I'm married to Danny. We've been married for about 13 or 14 years. Uh, He is a Portuguese South African and I am very lucky mother to three third culture babies. Um, And so I guess um, my story, how I got here, um, is important context for the show in that um, it it kind of highlights, so I guess um, helps people understand why I think it's so important that as humans we figure out how to flourish from the inside out and not live a life that um, is characterized by consistently chasing something um, that we can find and cultivate internally all along. And so, like I said, I'm a South African. I was actually born in the United Kingdom uh, because my parents were immigrants working there at the time. Uh, We moved back to South Africa when I was nearly three. And I, I guess I've always been a very creative, curious person and was a very creative and curious child um, and was lucky enough to grow up in South Africa at a very um, exciting time for our nation. And I started first grade or I started formal schooling um, the year that South Africa became a republic or I'm sorry, not a republic, a, a democrat, a truly democratic republic. Um, And so I was among the first generation of South Africans to experience integration, integrated education in a post-apartheid, post-apartheid South Africa. Um, My parents got divorced when I was about nine or 10. And that experience had a really profound impact on my life. I can see it in hindsight as a massive losing of place or belonging and my entire life since then seems to be or seemed to be an attempt to kind of reclaim or rediscover uh, what was lost in that season of my life and um, you know kind of later childhood. Uh, When I was 17 I found what I would call religion um, and you know from from my parents' divorce up until at that point, I I found myself desperate for belonging, desperate for love, desperate for, you know, someone to say, Lauren, we love you, welcome, you know, like you belong here. Um, and when I was introduced to religion uh, through my stepmother's church participation, it to my very hungry, thirsty soul that felt like finally a set of rules, a set of very consistent rules. And God himself 
can give me a home um, in this little weird little religious family called a church. Um, but what I actually found through that experience from about 17 was burnout. Um, and really from about that 16, 17 years old in discovering religion, basically just found a new set of standards or a new set of rules that I could use to wear myself out on. Um, and what I had kind of practiced in my teenage years in terms of bartering for my belonging, trading myself for love, abandoning myself for the approval of other people, I perfected within the context of religion. And I wore myself out so much um, trying to be the perfect Christian, the perfect churchgoer, the most self-sacrificial, self-abandoning, um, you know, whatever it is that I thought God wanted from me within that uh, church culture. Um, and by the age, the ripe old age of 21, I had a complete emotional and physical breakdown because of how hard I was working to belong. And so that practically what that looked like in my life was being available all day and all night, whatever people needed within that context. Um, it looked like self-abandonment, um, you know, very little sleep in order to kind of do all the things. If I could just do enough, if I could just pretend enough, if I could just fake it enough, um, then I would be good enough to belong here. Um, and I ex ended up earning the exact opposite of that um, because in the aftermath of my burnout episode, um, you know, was completely unable to maintain the pace that I had uh, set up for myself and found myself not just burnt out, but having lost a, a really arbitrary uh, version of status or space or a spot within that church family um and so that burnout episode was what i would call one of my greatest awakenings i guess um or the starting point of a journey in my life where i really had to start to realize that the tools and the tricks and the skills that i had picked up in trauma um were not the same tools, tricks, uh, and skills that would lead me into health, that would lead me to peace. Um, and I needed to reimagine what life could look like outside of that really insatiable appetite um, and desire for belonging. Um, and what... I also happened to discover after that, so after all my work and effort at fitting in, at belonging, at earning God's love, which was something that I was trying to do subconsciously, earning the love and approval of the people around me, when that all of that failed, um, in the aftermath of that experience, what I, I can see now that what I discovered was actually faith. Um, and throughout my kind of 20s, which became a healing journey and a rediscovery journey. I stayed in that world, which is full-time ministry, Christian ministry, for nearly a decade. And it really was within that context 
that I started to discover my passion for true and authentic connection and healing versus performative belonging versus symbols of belonging versus the checklists, um, the things that we need to appear to be to have a place at the table. Um, and I would say that my one of my biggest lessons in life in my 20s uh, was that God is good, uh, which may seem like a really random aha moment to have, um, especially in the context that I was living in and, and working in ministry at the time. Um, but what I walked away from in that season or the gold that I feel like I mined, the treasure that I feel like I discovered um, through what at times was a very brutal season was that God was good and that he had way fewer hoops to jump through than I was led to believe um, at the beginning of my faith journey when I was a teenager. Um, from there, so by that time, I had a husband, I had two young kids, and toward the end of my 20s, we were all set to move to the United States. Uh, and a lot of people ask me here in Texas or in Waco when, when I kind of bump into people and they hear my accent for the first time, what brought you to Waco? Why here? Um, and the answer, the, the official answer is uh, wanderlust. Both my husband and I had always said that if we ever had the opportunity to live in a different culture, um, spend time in a different culture, expose our children to different cultures, that we would take it. And so the opportunity presented itself later on in my 20s, and we just jumped in with both hands, uh, both hands and feet, I think. Um, and one of the primary reasons, so practically speaking, in moving to the US was a job opportunity for my husband and an opportunity to pursue postgraduate work at a university here in Waco called Baylor University. Um, now that I have about six years or maybe even eight years be between who I am right now and who I was when I was making those decisions, I can also say that I think um, a huge part of our desire to uh, be uprooted and reroute ourselves in a different culture was to get away from, or uh, I guess a, a sinking realization that we, who we were, what we valued no longer fit into the container that was our church culture back in South Africa um, and what felt like a lot of really dysfunctional relationships um, and wanting to kind of subconsciously get as far away from that as possible. I also thought that um, the next logical step in my journey was to post-grad work um, because that was the next, I guess, most sensible step on the career path that I was on. Um, and so that led us here to Waco, um, which, and we landed at this incredible place here in Waco called World Hunger Relief, which is an educational and organic working farm, which trains interns in sustainable organic agriculture practice. And so I joined the team there as we moved here to the US um, in the, a capacity as a local education intern and spent two years um, at this magical place, which to be honest, felt like the sabbatical I didn't know that I needed. Um, I did a semester of grad school before dropping out to have a third baby. And it was 
in the process of becoming a mother for the third time, um, postpartum period, that I started to realize that my grad school journey was not actually my journey and that it was for a career path that I was actually no longer on. Um, that plus our immigration journey, uh, which was extremely difficult, um, and I would even dare to say a little bit traumatic. Um, having, uh, having, feeling like this nameless, very powerful entity, the United States government or the Department of Homeland Security, for example, um, being in charge of your life, being in charge of your children's lives, um, felt extremely disempowering and powerless. Um, and, and adjusting to American culture was a trip. It was a crazy, crazy adventure. There was no way we could have anticipated it. There was no way that anyone could have prepared us for the internal chaos that we would experience adjusting to and finding our place in a very, very, very different culture with a very, very different set of value systems to ours and to the one that we grew up in. Um, and again, a theme that kind of reared its head throughout our immigration process and our adjustment period was belonging. As I started to accept that I'm actually never, ever, ever going to be American enough to truly belong to this place that I've now called my new home. Um, and a trip back to South Africa for a two-month vacation at the beginning of our journey was, held the rude awakening for me that I'm also no longer South African enough to truly fit into where I came from as well. And so after a period of intense anger and disappointment, um, which again, in hindsight was actually, the, the that journey was actually called grief. The intense anger and disappointment of not feeling the belonging I thought that I needed or the belonging that I, I guess I would say that I felt entitled to. And again, the belonging that I was kind of craving um, as a theme within my life story. Um, on the other side of that grieving process, um, felt a lot of peace and acceptance of myself and where I find myself. Um, and really coming to a place where I can accept and feel really good about not needing to be American enough or South African enough. Um, and that's okay. And that I'd find my people anyway. We also had a weird stint, my husband and I, as bakery owners, where for about a year and a half, we um, started and owned just a very small South African dessert business or bakery uh, here and work at the local farmer's market. Um, and all of those experiences and the things that I discovered, the people that I met um, throughout that time, and as our immigration journey kind of came to a place of closure, um, in spite of a pandemic and culture shock and 
having expectations that were not realized and having to grieve the loss of place um, and the place that I held in my community back home. Um, I would say that the, the last six to eight years of my life have felt a lot like, you know, despite the fact that it may feel like a tremendous dumpster fire most of the time, the world is, the world is actually a, a pretty good place. And the people in it, um, for the most part, all their problems, you know, like as a package deal are okay. Um, and so from there, my experiences in entrepreneurship, so as a bakery owner, have kind of brought me to this moment where realizing that grad school and at least at the time was not the best thing for me, that it was a decision I was making for the approval um, of others or because other people thought it would be a great next step for me, um, I started to play around with being an entrepreneur and found it to be as grueling, as beautiful, as transformative, and as illuminating as as anything that I've ever done. Um, another, yet again, another temptation. So what I found, like, it is just, you know, laden with temptations to hustle for my worth. Um but also an opportunity to discover and share with others what is already there um, that is of value. Um, and so what I'm endeavoring to do and what I'm inviting you to do or to consider um, is that we can live and work from peace and not for it. That we can live and work from a sense of intrinsic and inherent worth, not for it. That we can live and work from a place of internal abundance and not for it. Um, that we can live and work from a place of having discovered and found our own soul treasure and not for it. And I think that one of the gifts of being an insider-outsider, which is someone who fits in just enough to kind of understand the culture but is outside of it enough to view it with a little bit more criticism, constructive criticism, um, and to see it with a little bit more perspective from those who have grown up inside of it. I think that is one of the beautiful gifts of being an immigrant um, is what I see around me is a culture whose, like the myths and the stories that are told in American culture are that one day when you mark the, all these things off your checklist when you achieve this when your net worth is that when you're able to build something that looks as impressive as this when you feel like you have power and status or this much power and status then you get to experience peace then you get to experience joy then you get to experience worthiness then you get to belong and remembering of course that belonging and my grueling search for it um, was a big part of my own story and my own life. What I noticed in the women around me that were on the same kind of entrepreneurship journey was that entrepreneurship just became another opportunity to hustle for your worth. It became another pathway. It became another vehicle, not to share it, not to kind of relish in their worthiness, but to work for it. Um, and 
that kind of leaves me with where we are now with the podcast and all the other kind of work that I do. Um, that my journey or my pathway towards or in search of belonging and flourishing is actually counterintuitively taking me inward and not outward. And I'm learning over the, and have learned over the past few years in particular, to cultivate a home base internally, to cultivate a sense of belonging inwardly and internally, learning how to belong to myself first, learning how to connect and be connected to myself first, um, choosing to accept myself fully first um, and have that flow outward into the world around me and not the other way around. And I think that as a woman, um, as a Western woman, our culture says, when, we, when you do enough, when you're thin enough, when you're beautiful enough, when you're accomplished enough, when you're perfect enough, when you're flawless enough, that's when you get to earn belonging. That's when you get to earn peace. Um, but I think we're kind of set up for failure in that way because it's not something that we can get outside of us, but it's something that we have to learn to give to ourselves. And I think as long as we have a generation of women or generations of women believing that someone out there will one day give them validation, approval, acceptance, and then finally they can be free, then finally they can relax and enjoy life, then we're going to have a generation of women who, like me, spend all of their time and energy hustling for it um, instead of living from it. And so the Art of Flourishing podcast will in many ways um, be chronicling my own journey and learning. Um, I mentioned at the beginning uh, of my big long story that I am, I've always been very creative and I've always been very curious. Um, I've always enjoyed learning and I especially enjoy learning from other people. Um, one of the gifts that I think working in ministry, but also being an immigrant um, and being exposed to so many different types of people has shown me is that um, some of the most ordinary looking people are actually the most extraordinary people. Um, people who have experienced and are experiencing the same kind of life wrestling match um, and are able to alchemize or transform their pain and experiences into something really beautiful for them, for them to enjoy, but also for the world around them to enjoy. And so there will be lots of those kinds of conversations here uh, with women that I love and admire women who um, Richard Rohr would call great souls um, because they're able to take a lot of the bad hands that they've been dealt by life um, and turn them into something really beautiful, like I'd said. And so as we share with one another the wisdom and soul treasure that we are discovering in our own life journeys, I hope that you tune in and that you would share yours with us as well. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time. Goodbye. If you'd like to connect outside of the podcast, 
head on over to theflourishhub.co where you can find me on Facebook and Instagram and learn more about the Flourish Hub virtual community.